monster is a mirror, and when we look at him, we look into our own hidden faces, meditate on this at second level. Is this life reality? No. It is a film. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Here is the hair I've lost in the past three months. Take it. It belongs to you. You will know why one day. That's fucking crazy, man. Welcome to Weird Movie Club. I am the leg and I sound like this Today's movie is years ahead. And now your hosts Anil and Siri. Hello, weirdos, and welcome to the Weird Movie Club podcast. I'm Daniel Wishes. And I'm Sariyamai. We're the Mochinosha Mystical Puppet Company, and we're here to watch weird movies with you and discuss them. This is episode two. In the first episode, you may have listened and heard us watching the movie The Holy Mountain. Yay! Sari, since you watched The Holy Mountain, uh, has anything weird happened to you? Have you had any, like, strange dreams about it or anything? I changed the way I look at the world. Really? Yeah, yeah. When I, after I watched the movie, I started looking at things very closely and I started feeling like there's an eye in on my back. Really? Yeah. That's that's interesting. Have you checked to see if there is an eye on your back? Uh, I couldn't touch it. I'll, I'll try to take a look for you later if okay. you'd like. Yeah. Anyway, today, for episode two, we're going to be watching the classic weird movie, Eraserhead. Ooh. Yes, David Lynch's Eraserhead from 1977. And Sari, have you ever watched Eraserhead before? No. So this is going to be your first time watching Eraserhead. Yeah. Do you know anything about the movie? Have you heard anything about it? I know David Lynch. Yes. I've seen uh, his movie called Elephant Man. Is The Elephant Man the only David Lynch movie that you've seen? Yeah. And what did you think about The Elephant Man? Uh, I think I liked it, but when I, wa- when I watched it, I was a kid uh, at elementary school, so my memory is kind of blurry. You watched it in elementary school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a class. My teacher loved um, David Lynch, so in one class he played entire movie of The Elephant Man. So everybody in my classroom watched the movie. Uh, was he giving you uh, a lesson about David Lynch? No, he just played it and we watched it and there's no discussion afterwards and yeah. Well, what did the kids in the class think about it? Uh, I think some kids were really moved and some kids were really scared because it's kind of like a dark, a bit scary movie for kids and yeah, so somebody was bored. I don't really remember. It was a weird experience though. I still remember the time. Mm, I wish I, I wish I could have seen that. Mm. Maybe after we watch Eraserhead, we can discuss whether Eraserhead would also be a good movie to show kids in school. <laughs> okay. Um, Alright, well, if you haven't seen Eraserhead before, this would be a good time to pause the podcast and go watch it. But even if you haven't seen it, 
I think a movie like Eraserhead cannot be spoiled. So we will pause the podcast for ourselves, go watch the movie, and then come back and tell you all the things we learned while watching Eraserhead. Are you ready, Sari? Yes! All right, let's do it. Okay. David Lynch has described his uh, film Eraserhead in this manner, a dream of dark and troubling things. Would you like to expound on that a little? No. No? The Eraserhead is Eraserhead, you know, and it was it was meant to be just that way, and however people react to it is, is you know, is fine. It's an honest film, but it's very abstract, so it's not fair for me to say that it's a definite, you know, way that has to be interpreted. People interpret it, you know, the way they, they see it. Everybody beneath uh, a lot of times a calm exterior is, you know, the subconscious, right? And uh, that's where everyone has their little, uh, well, not little, but, you know, the denizens of the deep and all that. And this film, a lot of people say, is uh, a real sort of subconscious experience. It it unearths things that are inside of people. So, like, Henry and, and Mary are all, they've got caught in the past, they live in their own time, and there's not a whole lot happening that uh, is normal. All right, and we're back from watching Eraserhead. Mm. Now, Sari, when the movie finished, you kind of sat there in silence for kind of a long time and uh, didn't say anything. Yeah. I take it you weren't a big fan of Eraserhead. Uh... Yeah, is it okay I say that? I think it'll... In this podcast today? Yeah, I feel like if there's any fans, like huge fans of Eraserhead out there who really like the movie, they should forgive you for, for not agreeing with them, really? you know? Yeah. Because I don't want to fan people. No, I, I'm sure people, you know, are okay with it. Okay. There's quite a few people who didn't like this movie, and quite a few people who did. It's a very mm. divisive movie. There's mm. like a lot of people who either really love it or really hate it. Mm. So why don't you tell me your thoughts on it and, and what you uh, what you didn't like about it and if there's anything that you did like about it, you can yeah. tell me that too. I enjoyed it until the end of the eraser scene. Okay. I thought that was really like very interesting and very weird. I liked that like the head was brought to like a weird place where like they make pencils with eraser. Eraser. Mm. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think maybe just if there's anybody listening who hasn't seen the movie, I think maybe so that they kind of know what you're talking about, we should just recap what happens in the movie real quick. Okay. If that's okay. So the movie starts uh, with a guy named Henry Spencer. Yeah. And I don't think they ever say his last name in the movie. We, we only know his last name because of the credits. Yeah. So his name is Henry and he's got a weird haircut. Uh-huh. Like Afro. Yeah, kind of like a an... Bit, like ex- Exploded. A bit like an afro, yeah. Like his head exploded. Mm-hmm. And he has a strange relationship with a girl mm. who he's apparently had sex with but hasn't seen her in a long time. And he finds out from his neighbor that she wants to see him. So he goes to her house and meets mm. her family. Mm, the family was really creepy. <laughs> a bit creepy, maybe. Yeah. I still think the dad seemed like a nice guy. Dad is a nice guy. The mother and the grandma? I don't know. I like the grandmother, too. I thought she seemed nice. She doesn't move a lot. Uh, she, uh, she doesn't move at all. The grandmother just kind of smokes a cigarette. And she, she's forced to smoke. I don't know. She might 
like it. She's also forced oh. to help uh, mix a salad. Yeah. The mother puts a salad bowl into the grandmother's lap and kind of helps her mix it. Yeah. And, you know, the dad makes some sort of man-made chicken, tiny little chickens. Man-made. Man-made. And Henry, our main character, has to cut them up. And then he finds out from the mother, who's kind of hitting on him for some strange reason, that mm. his girlfriend is pregnant. Or not, sorry, she's not pregnant. She's already had a baby. Yeah, but and, immature baby. Yeah, he says, that's impossible. It hasn't been enough time. And she says, it's a premature baby. And oh, there's a line, yes. a line there that I really love where the girlfriend says, Mom, we don't even know if that thing is a baby. Oh. <laughs> and so there's some passage of time, I guess, and we see they're kind of married and living together yeah. in his apartment. And the baby is a sort of strange looking creature. Yeah, the baby, it's, it's cute. I like that. You said that during the movie, but you know, a lot of people don't find that baby cute at all. They think it's like a horrible monster. It's, it's cute. And also it's a puppet. It is a puppet. I love puppets. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the weird movies we're going to watch have puppets in them. It's like a reoccurring theme. Mm, I'm excited. Along with stop animation, a lot of weird movies have stop animation, including this one. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. They use some like kind of leech, leech looking creature. Yeah. So stop animation. So the girlfriend gets tired of the baby crying and she goes back to her mother's house. Mm. And Henry finds this little squid like arm thing, which I think it's, I'm not sure, but I think it's the baby's umbilical cord. Oh. And he puts it inside like a little cabinet on his wall. And oh. then later on, that umbilical cord comes to life and starts moving around like a worm. Yeah. And that's the stop animator it part. It looks like leech. It does look like a leech. I or, think they based the movement on leeches. Yeah, or a worm maybe. But I mm. I think it's the umbilical cord. I'm not sure. I thought it's like a tiny, tiny version of the baby. I, I forgot to mention the opening scene, which is like a long shot oh, yeah, of yeah, his yeah. head floating with a planet. Right. And then like a kind of a sperm flies out of his mouth which could be uh, oh I thought that's an alien it does look like an alien it's uh -huh. a bit science fiction-y with the planet and everything yeah. but it could be symbolic for him getting the girlfriend pregnant maybe oh and who's the guy with some a bit weird skin yeah the guy with the weird skin the guy who's pulling levers in the credits he's called the man in the planet yeah and it seems like he's somehow controlling things he's like uh, I mean it's is open he a god it's kind of open to interpretation uh -huh. But the actor who played that character believed that his character was sort of a karma figure who was controlling karma behind the scenes, like sort of a godlike guy who is controlling karma okay. by pulling levers and sort of controlling the universe. Okay. That was the actor's interpretation. But again, everything is open to interpretation. And David Lynch, who wrote mm. and directed the movie, he never explains anything. He, he never explains to even actors or staff members. He kind of explains it to them, but he then he forces them to keep it a secret. Oh, okay. So nobody ever in the public really ever finds out. Okay. All right, where were we? Yeah, he's taking care of the baby. He's having a lot of trouble. The baby gets sick. Yeah, I like that part. There's the iconic line, oh, you are sick. You are sick. There's just something funny about the way he says it. Yeah. And he takes care of the baby. The baby seems to get healthy again. Yeah. Or healthier. He ends up having sex with his neighbor in this weird, like, kind of volcano 
hot tub thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also similar to the thing that the little sperm that came out of his mouth falls into in the beginning, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then he has a dream where his head kind of, he goes to see the girl in the radiator, who I haven't mentioned yet. He's, he often goes and for comfort looks at this little woman with giant cheeks living in his radiator. And he has a dream that he goes to see her and his, she's stepping on little sperm and squishing them. And then his head pops off and underneath his head is the, the baby's head. The little baby creature is like sticking its head out, taking over his body. And Mm. then a tree bleeds all over his head, causing it to fall into the street where it's picked up by a little boy who takes his head to an eraser factory where our hero's head is turned into erasers for pencils. Yeah. And then he wakes up. It seems like it's a dream. Mm. I'm leaving some parts out, like the part where his wife seemed to be back in bed with him and Mm. her... She was having all these umbilical cords coming out of her, which she threw into the wall. Sorry, mm. I skipped that. I think if people are listening to this and they haven't seen the movie, mm. my explanation might not be helping them make sense of the movie at all. No, it just sounds make like I'm sounding. It, do- it doesn't help that I'm saying things out of order, but it also doesn't help that uh, what I'm saying probably might not make sense. Anyway, so then after that scene, this is, I guess, the part where you start to get upset. But let me just finish the story. I guess after that, he wants to have sex with his neighbor again, um, but she's with some other creepy guy instead. And and he gets upset and the baby has started, instead of crying, is like laughing at him all the time. So he cuts open the baby's swaddling, I guess they call it. It's like what you wrap up a baby mm-hmm. in to keep the baby from crying. And to his horror, the baby doesn't like have any skin underneath and it's just all organs and it falls apart. And then he kind of like kills the baby and the baby turns into like sort of a giant. It becomes this giant creature and then he goes to the girl in the radiator and embraces her and that's what? Well, the I didn't kind of... see the baby becoming a giant. I only saw like baby's neck becoming very long and like right, a lot ha- of clay coming out of the baby. Yeah, the baby's neck does get long, but then you see the baby's head get bigger and bigger and bigger in his uh, in his apartment. No, I didn't get that part. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that happens. The baby's okay. head gets bigger and bigger, and then it's kind of replaced by a planet. Okay. Anyways, so now that I'm done recapping, I'll let you continue what you were saying about... I, I'm sorry for interrupting. You. you were saying that you were enjoying the movie up until the part where his head is turned into erasers. Yeah, I really hated the part that the baby was killed. Right. You know, when you see movies, you have like one character who you feel like connected, to. connected to the most. Right. Or like you like the most. Yeah. In this movie, that was actually the baby. Mm. I really liked the baby. And like, I really liked the kind of relationship that like the baby was taken care of by the guy, Henry. So I thought Henry is a good guy. But then he got really selfish and he started having sex with the neighbor because the neighbor is really attractive and he stopped caring about the baby. Yeah, I agree with you that that was very selfish of him. Yeah. I'm not sure entirely, but I feel like a lot of people who watch this movie relate more to Henry than they do to the baby. Okay. He's kind of the main character, and I feel like we're supposed to be thinking from his point of view. Well, as he's to like, the... uh, he does bad things. Like, he starts off like being okay, and uh, he seems better than the girlfriend, wife, and then he stops, like, caring about things, and, uh, yeah, I really didn't like the scene that, the, like, he killed the baby beyond I thought that why it's in like well do you like, do you necessary. think do you think he killed the baby on purpose 
Yeah. Because I think it seemed like he just wanted to know what was underneath the cloth. And then when he opened it up, it seemed like the baby was suffering. So then he tried to like kind of put it out of its misery because there wasn't really anything he could do. But the baby seemed really suffering. And like, like I got the feeling, like he's feeling that, you know, when baby was like kind of laughing, he actually gets really upset. Yeah. And then, like, he's, I could see his kind of intention right. to kill his, like, eyes. And he, like, it, like yeah, with he was, like he, decisive facial expression, he grabs the, you know, like, he was knife. He was mad at the baby, for yeah, sure. He was definitely yeah. mad at the baby. And he cuts off, so, yeah. Yeah. So this movie is very surreal, right? Mm. A lot of people have thought of this movie as, like, kind of like a nightmare from his point of view. And it's his nightmare that he's having. Right. Maybe he didn't uh, really... Maybe everything that happens just sort of like a nightmare that he's having about a baby. Yeah, that's the thing also. Like, um, like until the years ahead, I wasn't sure which is real. Like, what's real? What's, like, dream? And uh, it's been... It was being cool, but then after the eraser head, he kind of woke up and that kind of made me think, oh, is this just a dream sequence? And I I don't really like, like, well, you stories know, with, like, just a dream it, ending. Yeah, that's true. Usually that's a sign of, of lazy writing. But yeah. in a lot of these movies, it's not really used as a way of saying, like, oh, it was just a dream. It's more like a way to make you think about what is a dream and what's not a dream and like kind of think about reality and what makes reality different than a dream Mm. you know that sort of thing was kind of in the holy mountain there were scenes in the holy mountain that were like obviously a dream but maybe the whole thing was a dream and you don't really know but like yeah but like he doesn't need to have the scene where he wakes up like he can do like a different way to show like make people wonder if it's a dream or real yeah, that's a good point. I guess having sh- actually showing him wake up is perhaps a bit on the nose. Uh, a bit, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Well, this movie, Sari, was mm-hmm. made in 1977. Mm. And I'm going to go into how this movie was made. So David Lynch famously never explains what any of his movies mean. But he also says that he does have a very specific meaning in mind for all his movies. And this movie, since it's from 1977, has been analyzed a lot. David Lynch says that he's written hundreds and hundreds of versions of what people think the movie's about, and none of them match his own version of what he believes the movie's about. Okay. He's always been very mysterious about it. He's a mysterious guy. But a lot of people have kind of a standard belief about what this movie means based off of what they know about David Lynch and his life. And I've actually been reading his new book, which mm-hmm. I cannot remember the name of right now. But he oh. has a new biography and he talks <laughs> about his life a lot. And there's actually a lot of information about Eraserhead in there. You know what? I'm going to just edit in me saying the name of the book later on so I don't seem totally stupid. Okay. But actually, I'm going to leave that part in too right. so that people know that I am stupid. The name of the book is... Room to dream this has been bleeding. And that's the part where I'll edit in the name of the book. So David Lynch always wanted to be an artist. It was his dream. Mm. He wanted to be a visual artist. And then he kind of fell into filmmaking through some different things that happened. But he always wanted to be an artist. And he had this vision of what the artist's lifestyle was like. Mm. And the artist's lifestyle did not involve getting married or having kids to him. Mm. Ever since he was like a teenager, he had like tons and tons of girlfriends. And he just kind of wanted to live his life concentrating on his work, having lots of girlfriends and having like a simple life. Mm. But 
Unfortunately, one of his girlfriends did get pregnant. Oh. And he was forced into marriage. Mm. He was. He sort of felt like, okay, I have to get married. He didn't want to, but he did. Oh, so he's like Henry's kind of based off of himself. Yeah, that's、oh. what people believe. People believe that this is like David Lynch telling the story of his nightmare that he had and his <laughs> his fear that he had being a father. <gasps> okay. And this movie was took place like a few years after, like several years after his daughter was born. Like maybe. Like I don't know how old she was exactly when he started shooting, but I think、mm. she was like six or seven, maybe.、Um, his... I saw credit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one like one little daughter is something Lynch, and I thought the girl must be related to him. He got a bunch of his family members to help make this oh, movie. Oh yeah, there's lots of Lynch. Yeah, there's lots、names. of Lynches. Yeah. But, but I'll talk about that a bit later. Okay. So his girlfriend got pregnant. He got married. He had a daughter.、Uh, her name was Jennifer Lynch. Yeah, Jennifer Lynch. Was she、It's、in the, the credits? The little girl. Yeah. Yeah, I think so.、Uh, yeah. When Jennifer was born,、mm. uh, she had club feet. What is it? Club feet is kind of a thing where sometimes babies are born with their feet kind of pointing in the wrong direction. Okay. So she was like a little bit deformed when she was born. Okay. It's kind of a common thing. It happens a lot, and so in order to correct it, you know, they have to correct it as soon as possible because、mm. if they don't like do something, then that、mm. person, the child, is going to grow up and not be able to walk.、Mm. So in order to correct it, they put her in a cast. Her Lower half of her entire left, lower half of her body was like in a cast、oh. for like most of her being a baby. Okay. So people say that that was kind of his inspiration for this baby in the the、mm. movie to like be kind of wrapped up underneath. Right. So a lot of people believe that this whole movie was about his like existential terror of being forced to be a dad when he didn't want to and have to、mm. take care of this sort of sick, helpless baby and like his kind of fears.、Mm. And I think the thing where perhaps it could be interpreted when he kills the baby is that that's like his fear. It's like his nightmare. Is 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 doing something so horrible like cutting it open and making a mistake that he actually causes the baby to die? Because he does try really hard in the movie to take care of the baby, like when it's sick and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And I want to say that in real life,、mm. uh, David Lynch's baby did not die. Yeah, she's alive and well. <laughs> I'm happy、uh, to hear she, that. She she actually grew up to become a film director herself. That's good for her. Yeah, it's interesting that she was actually on set a lot as、mm. a little kid when this movie was being made, and she has like a lot of memories. Mm. Of being of being on the set of Eraserhead.、Mm. David Lynch took seven years to make this movie. Seven years? Yeah, for a bunch of different reasons, which I'll talk、What? about a bit later.、Um, so the ending changed as he was making it. Oh. He had a different ending in mind. So originally the ending was going to be actually more unhappy than it was. What? Yeah, I know you didn't. You thought the ending was unhappy as it is, but I heard rumors of two different endings. No one knows for sure. I read in the book someone saying that he had one ending where the baby was going to eat Henry, like it just turns out to be a monster. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it's unhappy ending. That would be pretty fun. Sure, maybe you'd like that ending better, but you have to admit it's a bit on the nose, a bit obvious. Ah.、Uh. Another ending was he he still kills the baby, but and then his world kind of like dissolves and falls apart. Oh.、Okay. He's like kind of like he's being punished, which again maybe you would have liked that ending better. David Lynch says that this movie is his most spiritual movie, and in the very long time it took him to make the movie, when he started making the movie, he said he was like full of anger, but then because it took him such a long 
long time to make it, he started doing meditation and his spiritual views changed. Mm. He started reading the Bible and he found a passage in the Bible that mm. made him come up with a brand new ending. Oh. And he says that that passage in the Bible is a secret. He'll never tell anyone what it is. But he came up with the idea of the woman in the radiator as being this sort of like embodiment of good who kind of like helps Henry and embraces him. At the so end. the radiator girl is like a, like a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Supposedly. I didn't get that either. So the song she sings. Yeah, in heaven everything yeah. is fine. What do you think of that song? <laughs> it's a pretty catchy little tune, isn't it's it? It's very catchy and memorable. Um, it's a bit creepy. Does it, does it sound familiar? I think you might have actually heard that song before. Did it sound familiar? No. Well, that song, David Lynch wrote the lyrics after he came up with the idea for the the woman in the radiator. He wrote the lyrics. He gave the lyrics to... Uh, I can't remember his name. I'll just insert it later. He gave the lyrics to a gentleman named... Mr. Ivers. This has been and he recorded the song using David lyric, David Lynch's lyrics, and he actually sings it. So the actress you see, she's not singing. That's actually a man's voice singing what? the song. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he was just singing in a high-pitched voice. Yeah. And people really loved that song. And famously, that song was covered by, like, a lot of different bands. But one of the most famous covers was by the Pixies. Okay. And I think I've actually played you the Pixies uh... cover of that song before. And you said, like, if I family, I first thing came up to me there with bomb is secret. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> that kind of that that fits too because there is like a lot of spermy stuff in this movie, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, which, which kind of goes with his existential fear of being a father. Okay, so he's. His fear is related to his sperm. Well, that's that's one way to interpret it. You know, the sperm are kind of like little monsters that <sighs> that kind of ruined his life by making him have so, this baby. So, but radiator girls kind of killing sperms. Yeah. And why is she supposed to be a good thing if she's? I guess it's not a bad thing to kill sperms because if every sperm is. Well, every sperm is sacred is from a different movie, so I don't think David Lynch had that in mind when he right. made this. But I, and I don't think David Lynch was Catholic either, so... Uh, yeah. I, I don't think he had the same feeling about sperm. So, I don't know. What the woman in the radiator, me radiator means, it's really open to interpretation. Only David Lynch knows the answer for sure, and he's not gonna... Okay. He's not willing to tell. What does the movie mean? What does... What does he try to say from this movie? The reason why David Lynch says that he doesn't explain his movies. Actually, he gives a bunch of different reasons why he doesn't explain. But one reason he said is that if you took the meaning of this movie and put it into words, you'd kind of be cheapening it. Because this movie is all about like sound and visuals. It's, it's meant to create an emotion, a mood. The whole point of this movie, uh, according to him, is to create like a feeling of a mood and emotion that can't be described with words. And that yeah. was what he was trying to do as an artist was to like, he had a message that he couldn't put into words. So instead he expressed his feeling through, through visuals and sound mm. instead of trying to put it into words. Okay. He wanted to create a feeling of something that you couldn't describe with words. Yeah. I know it's a bit unsatisfying. <laughs> it's a little unsatisfying because part of your brain is just like, what does it mean, David Lynch? But that's what I enjoy about watching David Lynch movies, honestly, is the fact that you can discuss, ah. 
you can like 20 years from now we could watch this movie every year and i I guess you don't want to because you didn't like it but (laughs) we can watch it every year and every year we might have a different feeling about what it means and we could discuss it till the end of time people could be discussing it for hundreds of years and they still won't know what it means and that's what makes it interesting i understand you know like painting like there's some emotional like subconscious like emotion which can't become words and that's why all art forms exist like music as well like it's something to you know something to have show something but it can't be worded well that was what he was trying to do with this yeah movie. but i don't still get it like i all i usually get something that something they try to show but this movie like elephant man Yes. I got I, I got really emotional, I remember. Even like like as a kid. Like I think that movie is more like it's clearer. But like it has something really emotional, it's really moving. For this one I didn't get like emotional at all except the baby. And the baby is not intentional, I think, because I I'm I mean I think weird. it I think it was intentional. I think he did want people to feel sorry for the baby a lot, but you know, to to be fair, this was his very first movie that he ever made. He was twi- okay. he was twenty four years old when he made this movie. Twenty four years old? Yeah. And he's in his seventies oh. now. You know, he wow. he grew as an artist over time. This was his very first thing that he ever made. Mm. And he got, I think he got better and more mature with age, but for like a very first movie, like a very first try. And a lot of people would say that this is their favorite David Lynch movie, but I think he actually got better as he matured as an artist. But this is where you kind of see his, his beginnings. You know? That makes sense to me. He made The Elephant Man after he made this movie, you know? Okay, that makes sense because, yeah, okay. It's like his point of view is a little selfish. Yeah. Like, as far as I can... Like, I I respect, like, lots of people like it, but, like, from my understanding, his point of view is a bit narrower and a bit immature. And it makes sense, like, if he's, like, 24 years, it's very impressive as, as an artist. And, you know, I think, honestly, he would be the first person to admit that that he he was immature like he's he's admitted in like a lot of interviews that he's not he wasn't a good dad Mm. you know he's like i'm sorry i wasn't a good dad and he's he was a bit selfish and he's he said that before i think he's quite he knows that (laughs) i don't i don't think he'd argue with you on that okay yeah Mm, okay Made me feel better. <laughs> Alright. Can I go to the next segment now? <laughs> uh, sure. See, we could stay on this segment forever, but I'm never going to satisfy you with a clear answer about what it means, because okay. there is no clear answer. Yeah. It's just uh, a mood, you know? It's a bit satisfying now. Like, I know that he made this when he was 24 years old. That makes sense. So, David Lynch started off as a visual artist. Uh, just making mostly paintings and sculptures. And then at some point he made, I can't remember the exact details, but he ended up making this piece where he was using, he was projecting images onto a sculpture. Mm. Because he, he had this moment where he was painting one day and a wind came in and the wind made the painting move and it looked like created sort of an optical illusion that uh, it was animated. And he suddenly thought, oh, I want my paintings to move. But he also made it clear that it wasn't just the painting moving that really amazed him. It was the sound of the wind. Mm. And he wanted to create something visual that was like sound and movement. So mm. he created this this sculpture and it, people really loved it. And so he was commissioned to make a film. Mm. 
he was given like a bunch of money by an art fan and he started to make the movie but then the camera was broken and his kind of when the film got back it was all destroyed and apparently he was so sad that he like just cried for like three minutes sad so um he told the guy who gave him the money and the guy said oh it's okay you can keep what's left of the money oh he only he had a little bit left and used the little bit left to make this film Uh. and that film did short film got kind of well and he met a guy from the american film institute Mm. the american film institute had a school called the conservatory Mm. and they invited him they offered him a scholarship to come study film there Uh. and for him it was like winning the lottery you know Mm. so he went there and he studied for a year but he wasn't really enjoying it. He didn't feel like he was being like kind of respected there. And he decided to quit. So he went to phone and quit them. And they said, we don't want you to quit. What 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 are we doing wrong? What don't you like about us? What can we convince you to stay? And he had been obsessing over a racer head, like this idea he had for this movie called Eraserhead. And they said, mm. what do you want, David Lynch? And he said, I want to make a racer head. <laughs> that was my, sorry, that was my bad David Lynch impression. <laughs> okay. And they said, all right, David Lynch, we'll help you make a racer head. Now, he always planned for Eraserhead to be a feature film, but, you know, he didn't really know how to write a script. So when he wrote the script, it was only 20 pages long. So they thought it was a short film. (laughs) So they gave him a grant to make a short film, and he tried to make an entire feature film using only the money that you'd make a short film in. So he had very little money. And the school was actually based out of, like, an old abandoned mansion. So in the back of the mansion, there were these stables where horses used to be. Mm. And they said, you can use those. So he took over the stables and he built all the film sets for Eraserhead himself in the old stables. Really? Yeah. Every single prop and set in the movie, he built completely himself. Oh, including like a room? Yes. He built it all inside the stables. Wow. Including the elevator hall? Yeah. Really? Everything. Yeah. Wow, that's that's impressive. Uh, and the school also let him use like equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they gave him a grant. Now, I don't know how much the grant was for because I've seen some place say that it was $10,000 and some place that said that it was $7,500. But it wasn't like a lot of money. And he also wanted to pay everyone who helped him, but he was only paying them like $20 a week because that was like the best he could do on such a low budget. So because he was doing every single thing himself, he was doing the lighting, he was building all the sets, he was building all the props, he was doing the makeup and hair himself. And because of that, that, everything took an extremely long time and also he was a perfectionist every single thing he wanted every single tiny detail to be perfect he wanted the film to be really dark and he wanted all the blacks to be really black so some scenes he shot um. over and over and over again because it just wasn't black enough and he'd keep reshooting the same scenes so because of like all of this the film took years and years to make um. and he put like a lot of details that couldn't be seen like the girlfriend um. she was kind of pretty but he actually wanted an actress who was less pretty and he was Mm. worried that she was too pretty and she Mm. wasn't meant to be. So he decided to give her an ear infection. So he put like this little stuff inside her ear and they were like, the girl, the actress was like, well, nobody is going to be able to see it inside my ear. Mm. And his view was that even though the audience couldn't see it, Mm. it helped create like a mood, like a dream. He wanted to put details in that you couldn't see because he thought even having details that you couldn't see in the film gave the audience like the feeling that it's there even though you can't see it. Okay. Which is like sort of a philosophy he's continued even till this day for the films he makes. Mm. So he made everything. You know those little tiny chickens? Mm. He made those. He uh, he made like the, the baby puppet. He made everything. He even did like the makeup on the girl's face where he, uh, however, he made those ball things on her cheeks, the girl on the mm. radiator. He did literally everything. So he took like seven years to make the movie. Mm. 
and they would only shoot at night because he needed to be dark. So he would they he would basically sleep all day on the bed that's in the bedroom set. Mm. And then they would wake him up at night, unlock the doors, and they'd shoot all night long for like seven years. Oh. And during that time, his his marriage suffered a lot. And mm. his wife and him kind of started breaking up. Mm. His daughter would still come and visit. Mm. And he, he'd run out of money more and more. Mm. And the school got really mad at him because they didn't expect him to be taking that long. Right. So his life was getting kind of like worse and worse and worse. Mm. And he ran out of money. So like a lot of the people, like the actors in the movie kind of helped out a lot. So wait, you said he made it when he was 24 years old. He was 30 when he finished, I guess. 30. It took him a long time to finish. So the main actor, his name is Jack Nance. His girlfriend at the time was a woman named Catherine Coulson. Mm. Now, Catherine Coulson actually became a really well-known character in David Lynch's movies later on called The Log Lady. Okay. But I guess that doesn't mean anything to you now, but it means something to our audiences. Sure. And she actually had a scene in this movie, but it was cut out. So basically, they were a couple, the guy who played the eraser head and... Uh, Catherine Coulson, and they they kind of helped out with everything. Oh, I should mention uh, Jack Nance, the main actor. Mm. Right before the shoot, they kind of made his hair into that crazy style, and it was like really a ridiculous haircut, right? Yeah. But because it took seven years to shoot the movie, he had to keep that hairstyle for seven years. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I but, feel bad. Like, think of what a nice guy he was and how much he cared about making this yeah. movie that he would do that. Also, his girlfriend, Catherine Coulson, did like tons of stuff for the movie, including getting props. You know, there's a scene where he's out in the lobby in front of the elevator. Mm. All the furniture in that scene was the furniture from their apartment. <laughs> they brought their own furniture. Wow. So have, he'd have furniture. Wow. And a lot of the props came from Catherine Coulson's aunt's house. They'd go through a basement and find stuff. And that's where they found the, like, the humidifier for the baby and like a lot of the props. Oh, wow. So the aunt helped? Kind of. I mean, she let uh, them use stuff. Right. And then like a lot of other stuff... Because David Lynch had no money, a lot of stuff he just got out of the garbage and he makes stuff and he kind of like reuse sets. So like, you know, the scene with the elevator and the, the bedroom, I think it was just the same room. He'd kind of tear it apart and rebuild it. Mm. I read somewhere that the uh, stage mm. with the girl on the radio, that, that was like built on the roof of the building. So it was all done for like very, very little money. You know, the scene where he's pulling the umbilical cords out yeah. of the when, she, when his girlfriend's yeah. in bed. Yeah. It's kind of a nightmare scene. You don't yeah. know if it's real or not. Those were apparently real umbilical cords. Catherine Coulson, he sent her to the hospital and she got real umbilical cords that they were throwing away. What? They used them. Yeah, those were real, apparently. Are they that thick? I thought they were actually surprisingly thin. <laughs> Did you think they were thick? I thought it was really thick. Oh, I thought they were really thin, actually. Really? I was surprised. And I thought they looked like shoelaces. They could have just used shoelaces instead of real using real uh, umbilical cords. But oh. apparently those were real. He also told her that she had to... He needed... Uh, like a mother dog with baby dogs and she uh, had to like look really hard to find that dog because mm. it was a specific thing that he wanted in the movie right so the original cut of this movie was 30 minutes longer which i'll talk about a bit later so a lot of scenes were cut out but you know there's a scene where he's looking outside and you kind of see some kids and you're not really sure what they're doing uh. that he had a dream apparently about these kids digging through the dirt for dimes and that scene was originally much longer but like it was cut short so it's hard to tell but apparently he had this dream that there's kids digging through the dirt with dimes so he he went to his bank and he took out all the money he had left in his bank account, which was $70. Oh. And he turned it all into dimes and put the dimes in the mud and shot these kids digging through dimes in the mud <laughs> in kind of a deleted scene. 
And at the end of the night, Jack Nance, the main character, he uh. was getting drunk on set. Uh. And he started stealing all the dimes. Oh, no. And his girlfriend told on him. She said, David, he's stealing the dimes. <laughs> and David was like, I want those dimes back. <laughs> and Jack Nance, who had been working for free, basically, on this movie for like uh. six years and donated his furniture, got really mad and said, you want everything, don't you, David? <laughs> and screamed at him. And then Jack Nance found out that his girlfriend told on him so then he got into a big fight with his girlfriend and David Lynch felt really bad so he took Jack Nance out for like coffee afterwards and like calmed him down (laughs) just coffee yeah you know David Lynch loves coffee coffee's like champagne for David Lynch and so after that David Lynch kind of realized that he was kind of being a dick I think Mm. So he decided to pay everybody who helped him work on the film. Mm. A lot of people had like been donating their own furniture and time and money. Mm. He decided to pay them all points, like give them all a percentage of the money that the movie makes. Okay. Which, of course, this movie could have made no money. Yeah. But it did. It made money. That's good. (laughs) And I think they actually, in the end, they were kind of happy. So they made paid they got paid they eventually. did eventually they did get paid how, how does movie make money when it, it was so weird good question i'm gonna get to that a bit later okay <laughs> i just thought that was a really funny story yeah um so after the movie was finally f- finished filming which was basically when he got kicked out of the school. (laughs) He needed to make the prints. He spent months and months on the prints because every time he got the print, it wasn't dark enough. And he was like, no, print it again, make it darker. And he also spent, he went to a sound lab and the sound guy started like playing him all these sounds. And he's like, these sounds are like, they're all, he didn't like any of them. Mm. So they recorded all the sounds Mm. and he became really obsessed with the sound. And they spent like, Mm. they worked really hard. Every single sound in the movie is a sound they recorded originally and mm. David Lynch became famous for his soundscapes he's mm. like very famous for the sound in his movies yeah I thought the sound design was really good you know this whole movie has like there's like an industrial kind of noise to the whole movie which makes people feel really creeped out the sound is like a big part of why this movie's creepy yeah yeah if, if it was just like a kind of quiet like normal ambience this movie would probably be like 90% less creepy yeah Wait, so all the actors were engaged for seven years. So in some shots, they were like seven years older than another shot. That's right. I didn't realize that. Also, halfway through the movie, his cinematographer, his camera guy, Uh. quit because he was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not making any money. Uh. So he had to replace the cinematographer halfway through the movie. Uh. But all the actors kind of stuck around and actually were very, very supportive of him. Wow, he's got nice friends. Yeah. You should appreciate them. And people wonder, like people have asked, like, why are you so loyal to David Lynch? And they really like him. David Lynch, for all his faults, uh, is a nice guy, apparently. He's like a super nice guy. Okay. And people think of him as a genius and they kind of respect him enough to like follow Mm. his dream. Even even at a young age, even when he was like 24 and making this crazy movie about Mm. a guy whose heads is made into pencil erasers. Right. So after he finished the movie, he started sending to film festivals Mm. and it got rejected Uh again and again and again Uh. and he had screenings for it and one of the screenings got like a review and the review was terrible saying the movie was garbage and everything Uh. and he got really depressed Uh. and the movie was originally 30 minutes longer Uh. he cut 30 minutes out of the movie Uh. but normally when you edit a movie you edit a work print he edited the master cut which means all of the things he cut (gasps) in the movie can never be recovered 
Oh no! So that I didn't footage is just that. lost. He well, he was very upset. Oh. He was like, I spent six years of my life. I spent all my money. Basically, he was like, I'm ruined. Mm. I think he was very upset. Everybody told him that his movie was garbage. Mm. And he he got to the point where he didn't even want to like apply for any more film festivals because he was tired of being rejected. Mm. And this one film festival was like, Hey, can you send your movie? And he was like, uh, There's no point. You're just gonna reject it. It's been mm. rejected by everybody else. Mm. And they were like, Hey, we don't care what anybody else says we think for ourselves so he's like all right fine. which festival is it that's cool i don't remember off the top of my head wow you should you should remember it's really cool i can't remember i'm already giving you a lot of information because i can't know everything okay sorry east plus z los angeles international film exposition also known as filmmakes this has been yeah, he got into that festival and apparently like only like 20 people showed up to watch it. Mm. But then the next night, 22 people showed up, oh. which is only slightly more. But it was like the same 20 people plus friends. People wanted to watch the movie over and over again. Oh. Because at the time, nobody had ever made a movie like this before. It was like the oh. most original thing. And it became started to become a cult classic. And there was a producer who was like, I want to make this a movie, a midnight movie. There's this thing where they take sort of weird movies and they play them at midnight. Oh. El Topo, which was the movie that Hodorowski made before The Holy Mountain, that was a midnight movie. Oh. There was like the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is a midnight movie. There was oh. like this sort of genre for weird movies to play at midnight. Oh. And Eraserhead became one of them. Wow. And then it went on to become like a classic. Wow. It's like considered like a really important piece of uh, cinema and art now. So one festival like was enough to help him. Yeah. Made That's a huge. Impressive. Made a huge difference. It's more than like being lucky. It's like the movie had a power. And uh, this movie also inspired like a lot of other filmmakers. There's like a lot of references to mm. Racerhead and like other movies by like famous directors like the Coen brothers are obviously really heavily inspired by this movie and like a lot of bands like the Pixies made songs about it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of famous directors really were huge fans of this movie, including George Lucas, who liked this movie so much that okay. he asked David Lynch to direct the third Star Wars movie. What? He did. True story. And David Lynch said, N David Lynch turned it down. Yeah. He was offered millions and millions of dollars. And David Lynch was like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's right. He uh, could have he could have been much richer than he is now. Yeah. David Lynch, you know, to this day, still struggles financially to get money to make his movies. Mm. Despite how, you know, beloved he is. Right. He was also offered the job to direct The Elephant Man because of Eraserhead. Right. So one thing we should talk about is I made a whole separate segment for this in my notes, The Baby. The because baby. The Baby is a puppet. Yeah. Now, The Baby Puppet is one of, you know, all of David Lynch's movies are, well, not all of them, but most of them are very mysterious. And there's lots of mysteries because he won't explain anything. But one of his biggest secrets, the thing that people wonder about the most, one of the biggest mysteries is how he made that baby puppet. Yeah, it's very well made. It's super well made. And, you know, obviously he made some other things, like he made those sperm things and he mm. made the head and he made the cheeks, but they're not quite, they don't quite look as well made as that no, they baby don't, puppet. And also they don't, you know, they don't move. Yeah. But the baby one, the, the baby actually moves and talks and acts. When the baby's eating at the beginning, it spits yeah. out food and its eyes moving. It looks really alive. Yeah. And he's kept it a complete secret. He he made everyone who worked on that movie sign a contract saying that they won't reveal how the baby 
was made or how it worked. And David Lynch's daughter, Jennifer, who the movie was kind of based off of, Mm -hmm. I read an interview with her where they asked her if she knew how the baby was made. Mm. And she said, yes, I do, but I'll never reveal it. What? So it's a big, big mystery. Wow, that's so royal. Even though they weren't going to be paid at all. (laughs) Wow. So a few years ago, a friend of mine who was a big David Lynch fan... Came to me and he said, Dan, you're a puppeteer. I need to ask you, how do you think the baby was made? Mm. And I thought, oh, I don't know. He probably like made it out of like rubber latex and maybe mm. molded something in sculpting. Because David Lynch did learn about sculpting in art school. So, right. But it, it is weird that it looks a bit better made than all the other stuff. Yeah. And you know, in The Elephant Man, uh, David Lynch wanted to do the makeup on the Elephant Man himself. And he tried, and it wasn't good enough. And he actually was really sad and depressed that he couldn't do a good <laughs> enough job. And then he had to let another makeup artist do the work. Okay. And yet he was still able to make that baby look so amazing. You think he really made it or he got somebody? I don't I don't think he could have afforded. He didn't have uh... enough money to pay anybody else. But a lot of people have like, they're like weird conspiracy theories. Some people think that he used uh, like a dead cow fetus. But that seems really unlikely because that thing has like a lot of movement. You can't just take a dead animal and like no, make it look that no. real. Some people, I think there are probably some people who believe that David Lynch is actually an alien who summoned an alien and it's like real. <laughs> but my guess is rubber latex probably. What, what do you think? Yeah, but why does he have to be so secretive about it if it's just latex? Sari, this movie was made the same year that the first Star Wars movie was made. Okay. 1977. It had like maybe one percent of the budget of star wars yeah out of all the movies from 1977 how many movies are people still talking about from that year i don't know they're talking about star wars they're talking about this movie so i think david lynch keeps those things a secret because it kind of gets people to talk about them if we knew how he did it it would be less interesting he actually said that he thinks of making thinks of making movies as like a magic show. And if you show how the magic tricks are done, mm. then the magic tricks aren't interesting anymore. Oh. And he so he refuses to explain how his magic trick works. He says he hates any behind the scenes movies. He just wants you to watch it and he wants people to be impressed and be like, oh, how did he do that? And that's why I, th- I, th- I think he refuses to explain the baby mm. or anything. The baby's name, by the way, mm. was named Spike. <sighs> and that was the name that like... Uh, that's the actors. David Lynch didn't come up with that name as far as I know. The actors kind of nicknamed the baby Spike. Okay. And pa- apparently Jennifer Lynch would come and she would play with the baby. Uh. When she would come on set, she'd be like, Dad, Dad, can I play with the baby? And he would say, yes, just don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> play with it as much as you want, as long as you don't touch it. Does it how David Lynch talks? Uh, that's, he, I mean, a little bit, kind of. Uh, there's a show he made later on called Twin Peaks where he plays a character who kind of talks like that. Oh, yeah. But in interviews, like normally when he's not playing that character, he doesn't really talk like that. But that's how people mm-hmm. like to. This is my David Lynch impression. <laughs> it's like I'll get a phone call from him. Mm. Let's phone David Lynch right now. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, hey, David Lynch. Uh, we were just wondering. Uh, I just watched Eraserhead uh, with my wife. <laughs> she didn't like it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm. Sorry, I did the best I could. That's okay. But we just wanted you to explain the ending. Now, we heard that you don't like to explain endings, that you like to keep them a secret. That's not true at all. I love explaining endings. I'll tell you exactly what it means. Really? And can you tell us how the baby is made? Well, of course I can. 
but we thought it was a secret. No, no, just nobody ever asked me about it. Uh-huh. I All I've wanted for the last 40 years is to talk about it. Thank you so much for asking. The baby was made out of paper mache. Really? I didn't. No way. And the ending means it's it's all about McDonald's. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, oh. it's an allegory for McDonald's and Big Macs. Wow, David Lynch, I had no idea. Thank you so much for explaining. Ah, oh, well, thank you so much for asking. I all I've been waiting so long to explain the movie to somebody. All right, thanks, David Lynch. Goodbye. Click. Wow, who knew that he was actually so forthcoming? I was totally wrong about uh-huh. him. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun podcasting. Sure. <laughs> Another interesting thing was, do you, have you heard of a surrealist painter named H.R. Geiger? Yeah. You know, he, he's a famous surrealist painter, but he also created the designs for a lot of science fiction movies, including Alien. Mm, I don't know. Now, David Lynch turned down Star Wars, but he agreed to make a movie based on the science fiction novel Dune. Mm. And H.R. Geiger was a big David Lynch fan and asked, wanted to work on the movie. And David Lynch turned him down <gasps> because apparently David Lynch thought that the design of the alien from the alien movies was a ripoff of the baby from Eraserhead. <laughs> and David Lynch was annoyed that H.R. Geiger stole his design. So I guess he's so proud of his work on the baby. I mean, come on, say that baby is pretty good though, right? The baby is really, really good. And if you look at like what the alien looks like from Alien and you look at the baby from Racerhead, they do look pretty similar. Okay, so maybe he stole it. Do you know what what I mean? Like what the alien looks like? No. Uh, Hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll... Look up a photo. Okay. Yeah, so this is a picture of the aliens from the movie mm. Alien. And you can uh. see it's got kind of a lo- an elongated head and it is like a yeah. bit similar to the, the baby from Eraserhead. But the artist, he, he claims that it's just a coincidence. And he's really sad that David Lynch won't work with him. Yeah, but like, yeah, I thought there's like, a, you know, alien species which has like a big head. It's in people's belief. Gray has like a big head. Oh yeah, but that's a totally different shaped head though. I think it's just one of those, it just, it's probably just a weird coincidence. I think so, yeah. Yeah. But maybe, maybe he had some respect and like well, he, unconscious mind, he kind of accidentally made the similar design. I mean, he did say that he was a big David Lynch fan, so yeah. it's possible that he watched the movie and then without even realizing it, accidentally kind of copied it a bit. I feel bad for Itcher. I mean, the thing that's that's sad about it is if they had worked together, I feel like they actually would have gotten along well because they probably think in very similar ways. Mm, yeah. But it's a friendship that was never to be, I suppose. Mm, yeah. That's sad. I have another question. You know, like, this is like scenes, it's totally black. Yes. And the scenes, totally white. It's like kind of related to the radiator girl. Yes. What does it mean? My belief is that David Lynch has this feeling where there's lightness, light and dark in the world. Mm. But it's separate from good and evil. It's like there's light and then there's dark and then there's evil, which is like an entirely different thing. Okay. And he puts all of all three of those things into his work. Okay. And this is my interpretation, I guess. I'm telling you my interpretation. Yeah. 
This movie is done from the point of view of this one guy. It's like his nightmare, this dad who didn't want to be a dad. And this is his like nightmare. And the way we see the world in the movie is like we're seeing it through his eyes. His, you know, his apartment's full of like piles of dirt. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't think those piles of dirt are actually there. That's like in his imagination, everything's dirtier and worse than actually is. Mm. Like he's living in just the normal same world as we are. But in his his idea because he's having these things happen to him forced upon him against his will a baby that he has to take care of he's seeing this world as just like garbage and despair because he he doesn't have and you know having the wife leave him and give him all the responsibility he's like living in this world where he's seeing everything through darkness and i think he actually really does care about the baby and wants to take care of it but at the same time it's something he didn't want and i think he's like looking for some sort of spiritual escape some sort of god some sort of meaning in this world and the lady in the radiator represents that and when it goes to light that's like him sort of finding enlightenment the same way i imagine that david lynch felt when he found enlightenment Mm. by doing meditation Mm. i want to try to learn something from every single movie that we watch Mm. so when we watch the holy mountain you know because hodorowski was really into the tarot i started to try to do like pull one tarot card a day and kind of be like, what does the tarot card say for today? And I haven't done it every day, but I've been trying to. Mm. And that's that was the contribution to my life from the Holy Mountain. Mm. So for Eraserhead, there's, there's several different things on David Lynch's plate. In any interview, anybody says, what's your advice, David Lynch? And he says, transcendental meditation. That's his big thing. He's really into meditation. Mm. But he also did several other interesting things. He would eat the same food every day at the same time. So for years and years, at exactly 2.30 p.m., he would go to Bob's Big Boy Burgers and buy a chocolate milkshake. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And he would wear the same clothes every day. He was like a fan Uh, of ritual. So that's something I could do too. It's a bit, you know, unhealthy food. Uh, Do you have any other final thoughts? No. Well, then I think we need to tell people what movie they should watch so they're ready to join us for next week's Weird Movie Club. And the movie that we're going to watch in the next episode is a Japanese movie, Sari. House! Yes, I already Yay. told you. Sari's already seen this movie. Yeah, I like it. It's the first... I usually try to choose movies that Sari hasn't seen, but Sari's seen a couple weird movies already, and that's one of them. But we're going to have a special guest with us mm. who hasn't seen the movie. So, so go out and buy or rent uh, Haosu, the Japanese movie, and we'll watch it and talk about it next time. Yay! Thanks, weirdos. See you next time. Bye-bye.